You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our Lord says, A little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me again. Now, in confusion, his disciples ask themselves, what is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me, and again, a little while, and you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father. So what's Jesus up to? Is he being cryptic? Intentionally confusing? Is he... Is he telling riddles? Now, I think that this is actually how most people imagine Jesus, or probably how most people imagine any sort of religious leader. Uh, They tell riddles that hide a gem of truth. If only you are able to dive beneath the words to find the spiritual treasure underneath. Words, I suppose, are kind of like the, the pitted, ugly rock that surrounds a diamond. Uh, the rock that has to be cut away so that you can get to the mystery underneath. The mystery which words can't articulate, but can only suggest. But Jesus is not telling a riddle this morning. Jesus doesn't despise words, nor does he despise human language. When Jesus speaks The audible words that strike your ear are themselves spiritual. They are the gems that we're looking for. Jesus says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And for this reason, when Jesus says something, especially when he speaks to his disciples, he speaks plainly and clearly. And he intends to be understood and trusted. The problem is not with words. The problem, the problem, the problem was with the disciples' hearts. Jesus, for months, had been preaching the same sermon. That it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. To be handed over. To suffer. To die. And then on the third day, to rise again. When Jesus was preaching this, he wasn't articulating uh, an allegory or painting some sort of metaphor. He was speaking plainly. But even when these plain words struck the disciples' ears, they they couldn't believe it. Their hearts didn't receive it. Because they trusted more in what they had learned from experience and the wisdom of the world than what the scriptures had taught, or what their Lord had been teaching them. And so, the result, the result is that these precious words of comfort that Jesus spoke in saying, a little while, these words of comfort were forgotten when Jesus was finally hidden from their eyes and his body was placed into the tomb. But dear saints, it is not the same with you, because you know Easter. 
You hear Jesus speak the words a little while, and you remember that our Lord's rest in the tomb was blessedly brief and short, just three days. You know that in the world you'll find wisdom that says that death swallows up life. But Christ's wisdom and the wisdom of his word says that our Lord's life swallows up death. And so this means that when Jesus says to you, a little while, he's speaking joy into your hearts. And though in this world you have sorrow and lament, your faith in Christ's word and his promises are always fighting against the sorrow and the despair. They're fighting against it with the joy of forgiveness and resurrection. This joy that you have today by faith, it will be perfected and come to a completion on the day that St. That Peter told us about in the Epistle lesson, the day of visitation, when you will see Jesus with your resurrected eyes and embrace him with your resurrected arms. Now, because Jesus' words are so important, it's good for us to, to meditate and to pay close attention, pay close attention to them. It's true that when Jesus says these words, he's speaking first and foremost to the disciples, right? By describing what they were about to endure during the hours uh, uh, between his death on Good Friday and his resurrection on Easter. And finally, on Easter evening, when he would again appear before them and see them, and they would also see him in return. But that doesn't mean that these same words can't and shouldn't be applied to you. You know, St. John says that these words are written that you may believe, and he certainly includes these words to be, uh, to be for that purpose. The question, of course, is how? How are these words to be our comfort today? And I think it's true that, like the disciples, we have to uh, reckon with the fact that Jesus does not appear to our eyes. He's not manifest to us in that way. And in that way, we are, in many ways, we, we are much like the disciples, you know, who, who weren't able to, to see Jesus when his body was hidden away in the tomb. As Jesus reigns from the Father's right hand, we have to make do with, without the comfort of what our eyes can perceive. Now, as much as we might want to make of that similarity, I think that just about everything else for us on this side of the resurrection is different. Because the sorrow over Jesus' death has turned to joy, resurrected joy. And this has been the joy of the Holy Christian Church for going on 2,000 years. And the joy that, that Jesus says that cannot be taken away, it is this joy that you know and you confess with your lips and you believe in your hearts. Now, the devil, the world, and our flesh, uh, they can't undo this joy. They can't undo the fact that Jesus has died for your sins and that he is raised for your justification. Nor can they rob Jesus' words of their truth and their comfort. And his word, dear saints, is, is vindicated. His word is guaranteed by the very fact that his body is no longer in the tomb. It's guaranteed by our Lord who reigns in power and grace at his Father's right hand. 
And so, yes, Jesus is hidden from your eyes, but he's never hidden from your ears. And for that reason, he is always near. He's always near to your hearts. And though you can't see Jesus, it's, it's great that in this gospel lesson, Jesus says that he can see you. He sees you. He knows you. He knows about your sin. He knows about the guilt that plagues you because of sin. He knows about your death that you're feeling in your bodies right now that's quickly coming upon you. He knows that you need a Savior, and so he gives you his baptism and his preaching and his supper to free you from the tyranny of the fear of death. Your hearts have joy and rejoice, dear saints, because today they hear and believe all of these promises. Now, that is the reality of things. That's sort of the objectivity of of your joy. But like the disciples, our our hearts are slow to believe what is actually, in fact, true. And the devil wants it that way for you to be slow to believe what strikes your ear. Because because he likes to hold the things before your eyes and to say, see, Jesus says you will have joy, but how how is that possible? How can you have joy when your eyes have soaked in the budget spreadsheet for next month and you don't know how you are going to pay for your medical bills? How can you have joy When you see the wrinkles on your face grow deep and and the bags under your eyes are sagging even lower and your hair has become thin and pale. He says, look at your eyes and see how the enemies of the Holy Christian Church are having their day. The death of the Christian Church is pretty much taken as a foregone conclusion. And so the moderns rejoice because the old morality has been overcome. The authorities of Scripture and parents have been supplanted by the autonomous self. You know, what I think is, is, is good and what I think is true should be pursued to the expense, to the expense of, of even my neighbor's needs. Their wisdom has seemingly outgrown the need for a crucified and risen Jesus. Even among people of, of the so-called Christian church, You find joy over the fact that they have made themselves uh, as tolerant and as loving as the world that they hope to be a part of. So instead of taking the scriptures as their teacher, they, they take the world's wisdom as their teacher. They rejoice in the fact that they are free from the old law, and by extension, they are free from the need of a wrath consuming, atoning, and crucified Jesus. They rejoice in the fact that their wisdom has finally made room for the world's wisdom. When the devil sets this evidence before your eyes, it's always so that you would forget Jesus' promises, his word of resurrected joy, that you would then draw the conclusion, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And so like the woman in the midst of labor, pain and hardship just fill up all of your experience. It's, it's your entire world. 
Everything that you feel is pain, suffering. What else is there? But you're not like the woman in labor. You see, the woman in labor, the woman in labor has no special promise that the baby will be born healthy or that she'll survive the delivery. And that's why the, the pain and, and, and the anguish fill up all of her experience, her entire world. But you have a promise. And so Jesus sets before you not the woman who is in labor and in pain. Jesus sets before you the woman who has joy because a new life has come into the world. The mother who has joy that her child is safe and sound. And thanks be to God, the same is true for you. Because through Jesus' word, you have a new life in Jesus' name. It is true that there is cross and trial in this life, and especially, especially for Christians. And yes, the enemies and the enemies of, of Christ and your enemies rejoice in their manifest victories over, over the Holy Christian Church. But your Lord Jesus says to you today, a little while. And so I don't. I don't care how deeply felt your pain is. I don't care how sharp your loss may feel. Because it is not absolute, nor is it forever. Jesus' resurrection has put a limit on it. It ends. Jesus says, it is only for a little while. And his promise is the anchor that grounds you, that keeps you it keeps you firm against the storms, the storms that are threatening to tear you apart in this world. Jesus has spoken a verdict against this world. It is going to pass away. But his word will not pass away. And thanks be to God, the day of visitation is closer now than when this sermon first began. And as St. Peter says, even our enemies, on that day when Jesus comes again in glory, even our enemies will have to confess before God's throne about your steadfast faith and about your good works. Even though they tell you they hate you for it right now. St. Peter asks the question, is it just that you have to suffer at the hands of enemies that, that neither know, know Christ nor acknowledge your faith? And the answer of, is, of course, no. There's nothing just about this. But to suffer in this way is a gracious thing in God's sight. Do you know why? This is the best. It's gracious in God's sight because God delights in the fact that his enemies and your enemies, the world, the flesh and the devil are trampled under feet by such a little and seemingly insignificant thing as faith, as faith in a promise, as faith in, in Jesus' words that when he says, only for a little while will this last. Now, even if you don't think that you suffer, uh, even if you look at your life and think to yourself, it is pretty good, and give thanks to God for his, his grace and his, you know, his provision in your life right now, uh, remember then uh, the scripture says 
that Christians do suffer at the hands of, the, uh, of Christ's enemies in this life. And if you don't see it in your life, then learn it from the Holy Scriptures and confess it from the Holy Scriptures. At some point or other, I promise you, the hour of trial and cross will come to you. And you should be praying, and, and I know that you are praying, that in that hour you will have the insight of the Holy Ghost to both recognize the attacks and to call them what they are. Instead of thinking that this suffering is somehow your due, then to remember that Jesus promised that the cross and trial must come upon those who follow me. And when that hour comes, pray that your eyes, though they may not see Jesus, that your ears would hear his voice. And remember that that he sees you. He remembers you. He's engraved your name on the palms of of his crucified and living hands. And he supplies you with the unassailable joy of his word. And in that hour, remember that weeping may tarry through the night, but joy comes in the morning. When at the last, with your resurrected eyes, you will see God, and you will embrace him. And no one will take your joy from you. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.